Hey friends, Kylie here, your host of Dream On with Kylie O'Miller, back for another episode with another star in the lacrosse world, fellow U.S. Women's National Team teammate, and an inspiration to everyone around her. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. These episodes are recorded on a live Zoom webinar that I hold throughout the KO17 Lacrosse app and are constructed into this Dream On podcast that you have found here. I hope you are gaining some insight from these episodes from some of the people that I have met throughout my lacrosse journey that have imposed so much of their wisdom on me. We've got another special guest this week, and I'm pumped to get right into it. Liz Hogan is known in the lacrosse world for her show-stopping saves in the cage and her awesome personality on and off the field. She played collegiately at Syracuse, one of lacrosse's most dominant women's Division I programs, despite what she would describe as a unique journey to getting there, starting her lacrosse playing days later than one might assume. Having had incredible success at her position in the crease, Liz talks a lot on the qualities that that position as a goalkeeper and those moments in goal have taught her as a person, leader, and teammate, both on and off the lacrosse field. She also talks a little on some of the most important lessons that she aspires to teach her young kids as a teacher now on the West Coast and dips into some of her favorite pastimes, such as spending time on home-cooked meals with her fiance and watching Hallmark movies like it's her job. Hey, I'm not judging. I do it too, as we laugh about in this episode, along with so much more. Take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Oh, hello, my friends. What's up? Are you one name? Grace. We got a squad here today. You know what I'm kind of upset about before I introduce you here, Liz? Kind of upset that my parents are late. They're always on. I'm a little disappointed in them oh, too. There they are. Don't worry. <laughs> Incognito. Um, okay. So hello everybody. Welcome to another Dream On Live um, session. Super excited to see some familiar faces and even more excited to have my good friend Liz Hogan here today. I'm going to give you a proper intro, but Liz, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. Um, so Liz herself, for those of us, those of us listeners who don't know, um, she is one of our goalies, um, for the team USA women's national training team. She played at CUSE. I'm sorry. When did you graduate Liz? Uh, back in the, the stone age it was around 2011. I think it was, we were just getting electricity <laughs> around 2011. Love it. She's an all American goalie. I mean, she's an STS athlete. She's a professional women's lacrosse player. Actually, fun fact, first ever women's lacrosse player to be drafted professionally to any professional league. Um, That's a really fun fact right there. You should put that on a t-shirt and wear it around, um, in my own opinion. But she is all the things. She's also been my roommate at a couple of our training weekends with Team USA. Just an all-around awesome person. And I'm excited to kind of like dive into who you are and why you are the way that you are today and just share any of your wisdoms that you have with our squad and our listeners. So thanks Perfect. for being Thanks for introducing me, Kai. <laughs> All right. So we like to start off on a good note here. We always like to start off to a good start. Um, I'm going to ask you three questions that kind of just give me a little gist of how you're doing today and where your mindset's at. So something that you're thankful for today, Liz. Okay. So I thought of this for a little bit, but I think the thing I'm most thankful for is my job. Um, I am a PE teacher for lower middle school kids and one obviously it's awesome to have a job during a pandemic but two 
I have never worked out so much in my entire life as I do now. I have like four or five classes a day. They usually involve some form of burpees or squats or lunges, and it absolutely kicks my butt every day. So it's kind of nice to be someone that's not just sitting in a seat all day, but actually moving and grooving, um, even if my first graders are none too pleased with me. <laughs> do they ever challenge you to like competitions? Uh, no, but to, this week we're doing, um, uh, wheel of fortune. So we get to do a little bit of games in that way. And sometimes we'll go double or nothing. If they get it right, then they don't have to spin the wheel, which only has fun exercises on it. Um, nice. but no, they haven't challenged me yet. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, I just asked because I've, I literally did one clinic one time and there was a, I think she was in like third or fourth grade and we were playing lacrosse. I don't know how pushups came up. So like, I'm not even a, PE teacher like you but she was like I bet you I could do more push-ups than you and then we got down and we did <laughs> we did a push-up competition so I was just wondering if that ever happens to you who so, won uh you know it wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> so <I'll> just <laughs> push-ups are hard man they're like they surprisingly hard. really hard they are hard you know and especially when you do them like all the way down like yeah you do, like, in the close ones too not like these like ones yeah yeah you know mm -hmm. Anyway, so something that you're proud to say that you have accomplished today. Something that I've accomplished today, like during today. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is only 4 PM there. So you still have, some yeah, data, but I still have some time guys. It could really, it could really change in these next, you know, eight hours or so. Um, I think something that I'm proud of today is, hmm, gosh, I don't know why this tripped me up so much. Um, well, I am part of a committee that plans for our reopening, and I'm proud to say that we at least have a plan for January. Whether or not it happens, I don't know, but the plan is there. <laughs> Baby steps are good steps, right? Yes, That's always. That's awesome. Um, all right, so let's look into the future a little bit. We looked back on today, but something that you are pumped to go out and chase, whether it's tomorrow, in the coming weeks, in the coming years, what would that be for you? I think, you know, probably on your mind too, is this next World Cup that's hopefully right around the corner. But I think that's, uh, it's my third go at it. So third time's the charm. And I, I'm really pumped to kind of keep chasing that dream and hopefully one day reach it. Good for you. I'm right there with you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> third time is most definitely going to be the charm. For we you. got it. For I'm sure. excited for you. Um, and hopefully, you know, good things come and we're able to get out on the field together again soon. Um, so let's talk about your lacrosse journey. Let's talk about how you got to this spot and being able to say like that you're trying out for team USA for a third time, um, and being able to like live out these dreams. So, um, you know, when did you start playing? What made you fall in love with the game? Like when you first picked up a stick, what was, what did, what did it for you? So that's interesting. Um, when I started playing, I was actually in second grade and we didn't have a girls lacrosse program. And I was actually, a, I'm a twin sister. Um, we're both pretty big tomboys growing up. And so all of our guy friends were playing lacrosse. And since they didn't have a girls team, we actually picked up by playing guys lacrosse um, from second to sixth grade, which is when there was finally uh, a girls team. Uh, and at that point, I really loved guys lacrosse and I really hated the idea of uh, quote unquote, no contact at the girls game. So I decided that I needed to take a career change and, you know, naturally I chose softball, which is very high contact. <laughs> so I played softball until uh, my freshman year in high school. And that's when uh, 
kind of got the bug again. And I think just having a sister who is an attacker, it kind of just naturally lends itself to a little bit of competition, but then also it's just so much easier to practice when you can do it together. So I think that's kind of how I really got my start was, was getting back there with my sister. Well, another thing we have in common there. So that's really, really cool. A special story there. I didn't know that you played softball for that long. Um, I knew that you played, but that's, that's a really cool, like, what was that dr one driving factor? Was it just playing with your sister again? Like that switched you back over from softball or did you miss that? Just the adrenaline of being out there? Yeah, I was a catcher in softball, which I really enjoyed, but I think freshman year was really that time where I felt like you had to make a decision and they were talking about actually bringing me up on varsity as a freshman for softball. And I was like, I just don't know if this is what I want to keep on doing. Like I, you know, I see how much fun my sister's having. And of course, many of my friends played on lacrosse as well. And I was like, I think I'd rather give this a go and try to pursue that rather than, you know, something that I know I'm good at, but I'm not necessarily enjoying. Awesome. I mean, what, so this goes co side and side with coincides with this um kind of talk here but like what brought you into the crease what made you want to be a goalie <laughs> well uh my first tryout with lacrosse um so when I played guys when I played guys lacrosse I pretty much played all the positions but I did play goalie mainly but when I tried out for girls across my freshman year in high school um they put me in a defense and I just distinctly remember one of the drills um where it's like you know you try to beat one defender and you have to stay in your box and you have to be the next defender so on and so forth and I literally decked the first two girls and I was like, maybe this isn't going to work out for me. Um, but they needed a goalie on JV. So I was like, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Like how much harder can it be than, you know, being a catcher? And it wasn't that long ago that I played. So that was my first taste of it. And then I had a really good time doing it. And then next thing you know, it's just something that I really enjoy doing is just seeing flying rubber balls coming at me. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, the way that I asked that was pretty simple, but that's kind of how I meant it, right? Like you got to have a different kind of mentality to step in that crease and literally, like you said, see rubber balls flying at you at very high speeds. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> I guess, like you said, you were used to it with softball, right? And that's kind of like where you felt Yeah. And there's something cool about getting bruises too. I mean, I definitely tell all my goalies, like if you're getting bruises, like we need to work on getting your stick there. But at the same time, like there's nothing better than like someone being like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I like, saved a ball there. <laughs> Good for you. I love that mentality. You know, I always, I always said that to goalies when I was practicing against them. It's like, I know I just hit you in the leg and I'm so sorry, but also you just saved my shot. So I'm kind of pissed too. Like, you know, like, you're yeah, I always hated it when field players, like, I'm sorry. Cause I'm like, this is my job now. Like when we're sprinting, like, then you can say, sorry, because me sprinting is like, that's not my job. Like I have a, you know, eight foot radius crease. Like that's my job. You know, like I'll take the bruises, but the running man. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, Definitely not. I mean, I've never played it. I never stepped inside the crease. I've always just been on the opposing end of it. So um, I always say this a ton of respect for you guys. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you see those balls. I don't know how you put that much pressure on yourself. Like, I guess in that sense of the position, you know, like what were some of the easier things that came to you and what were some of the more difficult kind of traits of being a goalie that kind of came to you as, as you saw more and more reps in the crease? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, kind of like I mentioned, like running's never been a strong suit of mine. I think I've always gone back and forth with 
having to deal with like obviously you want to be an elite athlete and you want to be in shape but at the same time it's like that battle of like I know I'm only taking steps so like is it really that important so I think I've gone ebb and flows with that throughout my career um but I think the hardest part is easily just the mentality of um like you're gonna let goals in um and it was interesting I was I was actually on a zoom the other day with a sports psychologist she's like no 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 you didn't let goals in right like you just didn't like, you don't let a goal in. Like there, I've never met a goalie that's just like step aside and like, you know, let a ball go in. Um, you're always trying. So I think I'm constantly trying to reframe things and, and think about the positives and what I am doing well. Um, and that's, you know, it takes a long time to develop that from college to beyond. And even now it's still something that you have to constantly work at. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it, somebody said this on some sort of podcast that I listened to, but I mean, sports are like 97% mental game than they really are the physical game. And we spend so much time paying attention to the physical, but um, that just goes to show in itself, right? We're paying attention to the physical. So we're using our mental to pay attention to the physical, right? So like, it's so much more mental than it is physical. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to, to kind of take some things from that. I guess my, my question that goes along with this, um, how do you think like, those traits or those things that you learned from being a goalie specifically might be different. Like what are some things that you learned as a team player or as a leader from being a goalie specifically that you might not have learned as a field player? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that. Cause I distinctly remember one practice in high school. Um, I don't even remember what was going on, but I remember leaving the practice and I was like, why is everyone crying? Like, what did I miss out on? And it's like really funny because you are like in your own little area. And like, sometimes you're just like really not a part of the team. And like, I just distinctly remember like my sister came off crying, like all these people are crying. I was like, was I even at the same practice? Like what happened? Um, so I think that like, that's, again, it goes to show you how much in your own head, but then to your point, like when you're on a team, then you really are more in tune with, you know, your peers around you and specifically probably more so for me, my defense, right. And, and what they're up to and what they're doing. And I just think that, uh, you know, going through that and especially with all the different teams I've played on, you know, having that camaraderie, being able to tell your teammates what's going on without a way of, you know, annoying them or causing any kind of distrust is, is huge. So um, I think, you know, trust communication, those are all huge things that you pick up on once you're, you know, a teammate. Absolutely. I, um, I told you I, I go rogue sometimes based on the conversation. So this isn't in the notes, but um, <laughs> what you said there was awesome. And these are traits that like you learned from being a leader yourself, right. And being a teammate yourself are these things that, you know, you, I know you coach a lot and obviously you work with young kids a lot are these things that you try to take from your own experiences and now, you know, pass on to them. And, and if so, like, what do you think are some of your most important, like maybe your first one or two most important things that you're trying to teach these young kids that you have an impact on every day? Yeah, I think uh, kind of going back to what we talked about the mentality and actually this comes, like you said, I coach a lot of different things. I, I coach golf too, which is hysterical because I am not good at golf, but I said I would help out. So I'm the varsity assistant. Um, wow. And one thing that, yeah, I know. <laughs> one thing that we tell our kids there is, you know, like, if you were to have your absolute worst game on the first hole, um, but then I told you, you were going to have the best game of golf you ever had. Like, would you stop playing after your first hole? And of course, every kid's like, absolutely not. Like I'm going to keep going. Um, and that's kind of something that every player faces, you know, like whether you miss the first shot or, you know, you get stuffed on the first shot or, you know, you miss the first leg of the race. Like there's always an opportunity to get better. And the crazy thing is like your first shot, 
doesn't dictate your second shot, right? Like it's all a new game over and over and over again. And I think, um, you know, when I'm trying to teach my kids that it's the same thing, like what, what happened last game doesn't matter in this game. What happened the first half doesn't matter in the second half. Like what happened, you know, your freshman year in high school really doesn't matter your senior year in high school because it's always a new start every single day, every single minute. And, you know, we have that choice to make of how we're going to do it. So I think that's something, if I had to pick one thing, that would be really the thing I try to impart on them um, or at least get them to recognize because, you know, that takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think if you have your first graders recognizing that they're in good hands. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love that you referenced, you know, first hole golf because uh, I mean, I've never heard that analogy before and it's definitely one that I'm going to write down in my notes for sure. So um, thank you for that one. Uh, let's talk about your journey to Syracuse. So you uh. got back to, <laughs> you got back to lacrosse ninth grade in high school, right? Mm -hmm. What happened from that first stepping back on the lacrosse field practice to how did you get yourself wearing the orange in that crease playing for Gary Gate? Um, okay, so a lot of different things happened now that you say that. So my first year of lacrosse, like I said, I started out in JV, and by the end of that season, I was actually on varsity uh, with my sister, which was really cool. Um, and then funny thing is that summer, I actually chose to play club softball. I just, you know, I had a couple teammates. I, club lacrosse wasn't huge where I was, so I didn't play lacrosse that summer. Um, it wasn't until the following summer that I started playing club lacrosse and taking it seriously. Um, and I would say, you know, even then I wasn't really like highly sought after or anything. Uh, it was really kind of just luck of, you know, everything that was going on. Uh, you know, we went to, I think back then it was, oh God, there was a huge tournament in Maryland that we went to. And um, there was the one in upstate. So there, I mean, there was a couple tournaments we went to, but as a goalie at that point, like we were playing small fields, you only play half of a game. Like if you miss a couple shots, you're pretty much done. Uh, and I was lucky enough, actually, at the time to be seen by Lisa Miller, who was the coach of Syracuse when I was getting recruited. And um, my choices kind of came down to Syracuse, who at the time wasn't even ranked in the top 20. Like they had never even won um, a tournament game, an NC tournament game. Uh, Cornell, who was, you know, pretty good. And then William and & Mary and Louisville, which at the time they weren't going to start until my freshman year in college. So that was completely, you know, new area. And it ended up coming down to um, Cornell and Syracuse. And I, at the end of the day, I just felt like, um, you know, Syracuse might've been a little bit better fit for me um, between the environment, the teammates, all that stuff, uh, seeing their practices. I just jived with it a little bit better. And then uh, my summer before I went to college, that's when Lisa left and went to Harvard and we didn't have a coach. And I was like, great, what's gonna happen? Uh, but then of course, you know, you hear that Gary Gates going to be your coach. You're like, okay, well, that's not bad. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was interesting. Yeah. The whole ride was just bizarre from not really even, I remember going to Syracuse game when I was like a junior in, in high school and my mom's like, what if you ever played here? And I was like, you know, I mean, there's no way like simmer down, you know, we used to go high school team there. I was like, yeah, no, that's never going to happen. And then like two years later, that's where I am. So crazy things happen, man that that is a wild story that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know right so I mean it just shows you like you never really know where your path's taking you and you know even at the time when I committed to Syracuse they had done well like they went on to win a, a game that year and then Gary Gay came and we had a little bit of run there so never my wildest dreams would ever think that that would happen but 
Hey, it happened, right? <laughs> hey, you got to follow your path wherever it takes you. Good for yeah. you. That's awesome. That's a fun story, especially going to that game and your mom saying that. Like everybody yeah, she still like talks everybody, about it. I know. Yeah. I think everyone has one, some sort of story like that. It might not be about their recruiting process or anything like that, but something that somebody said at one time and then you always look back on it and you're like, ha, that was funny that you said that. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it always there's always something like that. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah no way. And then it happened. You're like, well, they knew. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, so can you share some of your, you know, most memorable when you did get there, some of your most memorable moments, maybe um, a game or two or a save or two that you just, they just stick out in your head from when you were there and you got to play in the dome? Yeah. Um, I always will remember my first practice that we had in the dome. I think it's like when every other team comes there and they lift up the garage and everyone's like, and you know like you have that and then after a while it wears off you're like oh my god new team here they've never seen the dome all right let's go you know <laughs> but your first your first practice as a freshman you're like it's got this distinct smell it's like huge it's kind of weird to look at because the lighting's weird um so I always remember that but then in terms of like games um my freshman year we were playing uh UNC of all of all teams and uh we were we were actually not ranked that high in the tournament, but I think like UVA lost or something. So somehow we ended up having the home seed. Like we shouldn't have had the home seed in the Elite Eight. And UNC came as a back and forth game and um, UNC actually had the ball and uh, their, one of their low attackers accidentally like threw the ball out of bounds. So I got the ball in the crease. And then my goalie coach had always told me like, if you get past your 10 seconds and you have nowhere to throw it, like just, you know, aim down the field, aim to a side. And I was like, okay, whatever. So it happened where I literally like someone just fronted me right in the crease. And I was like, gosh, I mean, now I don't know what to do. And I was like, okay, Maggie always told me go around to the back, run up front, like aim for a corner. And so I just chucked the ball. Um, and they actually happened to be in a t uh, 12 man ride, which of course as a freshman, I, I didn't know that. I, like, I just was aiming down the field to like where I saw my teammates wearing white jerseys and my, I had overthrown it, but my teammate was able to run right underneath it and then score on an open goal. So it sent us to the final four, but then also I got my first assist. So I was like, this is complete. Everyone's like, Oh, did you plan that? And I was like, yeah, totally. Like I was <laughs> aiming for Katie Rowan. Like I didn't even see the girl behind her, but like, I just chucked it. So, I mean, I, that was still one of my coolest memories just to be able to say you got an assist as a goalie, but then also to take your team to the final four on a mistake, but it was really cool. <laughs> Some of the best plays are just not what you meant for them to be, but. <laughs> right. So yeah, that will always be like my, my favorite memory for sure. That's, I mean, one sounds really familiar. Sounds like a play that we had about <laughs> two years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah, a little while ago. <laughs> a little while ago, we had like that same exact play go on. Um, but that's so funny that like, cause you were explaining it. I was like, wait, are you sure that that's the game that you're explaining? Cause I think that was me. Um, <laughs> right. No, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. And that's exactly what that reminded me of that day. I was like, this is like the same thing. Like, I mean, yeah, I saw you, but like, was I going to hit that? I mean, I don't think so, but it worked. <laughs> it, did. it bounced once. I think you were going for two me. And I was just like, you know what? I think I'm just going to follow this just in case. Like mm -hmm. I, I had full, I had full, this, for those of you listening, this was a, what? I don't even know how many years later, but it was 2018, our fall classic with Team USA. And all of a sudden, I'm like all the way down the field. I have like one leg. I got this big old knee brace on. 
<laughs> you did, yeah. I did. I'm like hanging out all the way down the field. Liz has the ball. She's like walking up. All of a sudden I see her go like this. Like she just, she just, I don't know what it means. I have no idea. Go deep. Go deep. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, I guess I'm just going to hang out here and see what happens. I'm sure she's talking to Tumalo. And Tumalo is like working for the ball. She's like coming down. All of a sudden Liz just bombs it down the field. And I'm like, okay, it's going over Tumalo's head. I should probably do something. <laughs> so then I just start running towards the ball and it lands perfectly in my stick off of one bounce and I score. And I was like, wow, that was so cool, Liz. And then all of a sudden Liz <laughs> right next to me. And I was like, wow. But anyway. You got to sprint after that. That's like sprint worthy, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. You got to get in the celly after an apple like that. That's awesome. For sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's such a special memory. Like I, I love that place. I was talking on a podcast the other day actually and um we were talking about how all these memories like no matter how far out of college you are all the all that hard work all those practices all those early mornings all that stuff that you go through with your college teammates becomes so sweet in those moments right so sure those moments you will never ever forget like you can you'll be I don't even know how, how old and you'll be telling like your grandkids about it. You know? Yeah. And you like forget all the times where I'm sure we were frustrated, but it's like, you don't remember those anymore. It's like, no, no, no. Or if it was, it was like, oh yeah, the one time we had 6 a.m. left, that was funny, you know, but yeah. now it's, you know, it's, at the time you're pissed. You're like, ah, sucks. <laughs> but you get through it and you get to those really exciting moments that you're going to tell your grandkids one day. So, um, you know, that's, that's really special. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And thanks for, doing it all over again a couple of years later um of course I was do it again a bit. yeah let's do it again Honestly, <laughs> try to throw the ball all the way across the country to me I'll try my best to catch it that we Oof. might have a catch through zoom oh at my this gosh that would be yeah. hysterical we should do that <laughs> <laughs> if we go back into lockdown we might have to try something like that but um right. <laughs> okay so can we talk about this for our listeners here who don't know um, who've never seen a video of Liz playing lacrosse in college. She wore football pants on game days. Can you explain to the people why? And what was, what was the <laughs> explain why? Uh, yeah, it's actually a pretty interesting story. So I wasn't actually the first goalie to do it at Syracuse. Uh, Maddie Palum, who uh, played for the men's team back in the early 90s. And actually, if you ever watch the PLL games, he's usually the head official every single game um so a little bit he wore them the first time ever and one day in practice uh Gary was like hey Hogan like I bet if you wear you know football pants you'll better see a percentage you know like it's scary he's always like poking your buttons at the same time joking but then you're like I don't really know if he's joking so like sure I'll do this Gary so I went to the equipment room I was like hey I need a pair of football pants you know so I wore them for one game and of course it was like a great game. So now I'm like, well, shoot, now I have to wear them again. Like superstition, man. Like once you find it, you got to go with it. Mm -hmm. So that's how it happened. It all went off of like a bet with Gary and then one good game. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. We're going to do it. And then, then the hardest part was our football team doesn't actually wear, well, they didn't at the time, blue football pants. So my equipment manager actually got a pair from Illinois football team, took the logo off and I wore those because they're blue and orange as well. So I had a, I had a pair for every occasion. <laughs> wow. That, that is like such a fun story because it just started off as a joke and people who would look from the outside, like myself, right? Like I was completely <laughs> that story, um, would look from the outside and just be like, wow, that's so cool. She's such a trendsetter. Um, but that's cool that there's like such a funny inside joke story to it. 
Um, yeah, everyone always asks if I wore it for like the pads, but I never wore pads in the football pants. I just wore them because you know it's a joke, you know. So <laughs> it's funny when people are like, "Oh, you wore?" It. I was like, "No, trust me. I probably should have worn sweats because then I would have had a little bit more like coverage, like with left hands, and maybe get saved." But you know, <laughs> I'm sure you had enough saves that's got you to where you are. <laughs> um, I guess so. <laughs> So I guess to kind of transition into post-collegiate lacrosse and, um, you know, you stopped wearing football pants, I'm guessing because it wasn't an inside joke outside of Syracuse, but um, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't about- think Ricky, R- Ricky appreciated that given that we were rivals with Georgetown. He said he wasn't really a fan of that. So <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it is, you know, you lose games sometimes it happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about your journey to, you know, post-collegiate lacrosse, right? Like on the pro level and also, you know, your journey with the U.S. national team started first, I would say before pro, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, uh, it's true. So yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. talk to me about how you got into, into that process with the U.S. national team and how it's going for you. Gosh. Um, so when I first tried out for the U.S. national team, it was, I think, kind of when you started, like you would try out every year, regardless of whether it was a World Cup year or not. And then if you made it that summer, then you were on the team for a year. And so when I first did it, I was actually um, a sophomore, no, a freshman in college. So the summer after my freshman college went out, they actually had an elite and a developmental team at the time. So it showed how much changed. And um I'll remember they cut everyone except for one person. They're like, okay, well, we're going to have to make one more cut, but someone was injured. So, you know, you guys are all going to the next level, but we do have to make one more cut. And then sure enough, that was me. Like I was literally the last person cut like at the next training camp. So like, imagine yourself going and then only one person doesn't come back. And that was me. So that was pretty awful. Um, And then after that, I tried out again after my junior year, had a really good year in college and I I forget why, but I was just like, yeah, let's let's give it a go again. You know, it's going to be, um the year before the 2009 world cup like let's give it a shot and you know i think maybe it was because our season went so long whatever it was i didn't have a great child didn't make it again so that was awful (laughs) i'm just like at this point i'm like this is awful um and then i didn't try out again until a year after out of college because i think at that point i was just so burnt out so frustrated um and after a long car ride home with katrina dowd of all people we were coming back from recruiting tournament we got talking about it and she kind of convinced me to go back out again. And I was like, okay, like I'll do it one last time, like third time. Like I, if it doesn't work out this time, like I'll take, you know, just go back into coaching and it'll be what it'll be. Um, so I had to go to uh, like that national tournament that all the school, all the girls play used to play at from different regions. They had a tryout there if you wanted to play um, for the U.S. team. So I went there and then from there you got chosen the 100 and then you got picked for the team from there. And, so finally I made the team, which was awesome. And that year I actually made it down to the training team. So as you know, and maybe listeners do, but we usually start around 36 and then they'll cut it down to 25 and then to 18. So I made it to 25 and then they ended up going with two of the older goalies, um, which, you know, I got whatever. And then ever since then, I've kind of just been battling my way through. Um, same thing happened in uh, the next year. Uh, so there's 2013 that happened, then 2017 happened again. Uh, where I made the 25 and, you know, it was the third out, <laughs> third out of two, unfortunately. And, you know, here I am third time again, I'm feeling it. So it's just, it's been a lot of ups and downs with the U S team, you know, a lot of frustrations of them getting cut. Um, 
you know, different styles that you're not used to playing with. And I think as much as we are a team, it's, it's definitely not like your college team, right? Like you don't see everyone every day. It's just weekends. So it's definitely a, a different transition, but I've enjoyed the ride so much and crazy to think that it's going up on like 10 years now. So <laughs> I know. And you mentioned that to me, I was like, I think you had a little realization there. That was so funny. You were like, wait, hold on. But that is such a, you know, such an inspiring story because you're, you're still here. So many people would have given up by now. Yeah. And I, I know hope- I'm shocked. I'm still here too. <laughs> you should be shocked. You should be like, like, that's just who you are. It's just a testament to who you are and how hard you work. And obviously how passionate you are about one, like representing your country, doing what you're passionate about. And two, um, just, you know, proving yourself and proving to yourself that you can be at that level because I mean, we all know it. So um, just, you know, round of applause to you, pat yourself on the back for that, because I know that, you know, it takes a special kind of person to be still in your shoes right now. Um, so we actually have a question. I usually do questions from, from KO 17 lacrosse uh, a little bit later, but this ties in perfectly with this. So I'll just ask now, but we had Aaron on Instagram ask, um, how you deal with getting cut from a team. <laughs> Um, it was actually interesting. I wrote a blog post on this back when I got cut in 2017 and I really need to bring it back up because it's actually perfect this time of the year when people are trying to try out for high school teams and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you lose, when you lose someone in your life or whatever, there's a process to it. I think the first important thing is like, let yourself grieve, like let yourself like feel what you want to feel. Like, I remember I was super bummed. Like I didn't even want to go into work that day. I was, you know, super sad. Um, but that's part of the process. And then we always had a rule at Syracuse that you had 24 hours, um, to get over it. So whether it was a big win or a huge loss, like you got your 24 hours, you could do whatever you wanted to do. If you need to cry, if you need to party, like whatever it was, you do it. And then after that though, it's getting back to work. And I think the beauty of getting cut from a tryout is, you know, you get to reinvent yourself. You get to figure out where you went wrong. Um, it's kind of a nice reality check and not all, you don't really get that in life too often. And sometimes people just tell you that you're doing great, even when you're not. So I always looked at it as a opportunity to get better and to, you know, redefine myself. It's a chance to just take a step back, look at yourself, figure out where your weaknesses are and then really make them your strengths. So, um, I think it's a little bit of a, acknowledging what happened but then also you know figuring out that you're not gonna be down there forever right you're not always gonna be the person that got cut and you're certainly not alone so it's really up to you to then get that mentality shift and be like all right let's go like where did I where did I where did I fall short like what can I do to make that better um and again there's nothing that says you can't make the team the next year right nothing that says you can't make your club team so just really looking at it as an opportunity I think has really helped me Good for you. Incredible advice for, you know, a lot of young kids listening and even older kids listening like myself. Um, so thank you so much um, for that. Of course. Uh, you know, I think, um, I think everybody's journey is different. I think that's so special and so unique to you. Um, and I appreciate you answering that question for Erin, because like you said, like everybody's got a different journey. She might be trying out for a club team. She might be trying out mm-hmm. for, you know, a high school team and Um, even if it's at different levels, like, like you said, there's a grieving process to everything and, um, doesn't mean just because one year this happens that the next year it has to happen. Same thing. Like you mentioned before, just because your first play of the game, isn't the best doesn't mean the rest of the game can't be great. Um, exactly. Yep. So that's really cool that you're able to tie that all into 
your entire career. So um, can you talk about, and just tying this all together, like what has your like major part of your mindset been just playing at the highest level for so long, um, you know, and continuing to dominate at it like over and over and over again, year after year, um, you know, what kind of, for a young player listening or a young person listening, like what kind of sacrifice does that take? um, for you day in and day out and what kind of, you know, persistence and energy and things like that does that take for you? Gosh, kind of like you said, there's like the micro level where like every day you have to dedicate yourself to that, whether it's working out, playing wall ball, um, you know, it's obviously a lot easier if you're in college because you get to work out every day with your team, but the moment you get out of college and I'm sure you know now, like, it's a different world, like trying to squeeze in a workout, trying to see like live shots with a live goalie is just, it's just so hard. So you kind of have to sacrifice that time that was always built in for you. And all of a sudden now everyone's trying to take a piece of you and you're like, but I need to go do this. Right. Um, and also like the days that you don't want to do it when it's cold and rainy, or I guess, I guess it snows back East, <laughs> you know, yeah, like you talking about it there. <laughs> you're in California. It's probably like 90 degrees right now. I'm it's, sure uh, it's raining, but we did have a dome too, but that was nice. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even like do full East coast. You guys were inside. <laughs> Simmer. It, it snowed once and Gary canceled practice. Okay. <laughs> oh goodness. All of my uh, games are in freezing cold rain. Every single one of them. Goodness, oh, man, yeah, that's tough. Um, then I think on the macro level too, like I, I, you know, even for you, like getting to a U.S. weekend, it means giving up your weekend. It means giving up several weekends leading up to that. And um, it doesn't sound like much now, but when you do it month after month after year after year, like you do miss out on some important things in life, and you have to tell your friends, like, no, I can't go out, or no, I can't meet up with you this weekend, or I can't go do that because you know you're dedicated to this goal and. It's nothing really where someone's like, you're going to miss a wedding because you, hopefully you don't do that. But there are things that no one tells you about that you're going to have to say no to um, that add up. And I think that's the real thing that no one really tells you about is, you know, yeah, you have to go work out hard. You have to compete hard, but you have to give up on a lot of things that, you know, regular people don't have to give up on. So I think just knowing that you're going to have to say no to things you really want to say yes to. And, you know, that comes with time and being able to do that, but that's definitely the the hardest sacrifice you have to make for sure. Um, That's a great point. And that's actually a question that I had from, it's funny how life works, right? You ever like have a conversation (laughs) with someone you're like, wow, I can't believe you just said that because this happened the other day. And -and so-and-so asked me something whatever. So I had a girl DM me the other day asking how she deals with, you know, she just got onto a club program and now she has less time to hang out with her friends and she feels like she's missing out with her friends. How does she, how do you deal with that? So I, that's so funny that you were able to just kind of make that connection there, but it's it's all hard. mm -hmm, It is. And it's hard. And it's something that like, fortunately we're lucky enough to play a team sport. So we are going to be able to make those new friendships. Right. And I think that, um, is something that I'm lucky enough to say that we got to do, right. Like we weren't, yeah, for sure. We were friends before they stuck us in a room together and we had like 16 hours off that training weekend. And we were like, okay, what do we do? Let's watch Hallmark. Hallmark. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. We'll get into that. But, um, before we do, you know, just kind of talking on, you know, building your own personal playing career and all the steps that it's taken to get to you where you are. 
Um, you know, we all have dreams and aspirations for those. And we're definitely aware of what you're going to go crush in yours. Um, can you talk about like what you have in the sense of goals and aspirations for the next generation of players and, um, you know, what kind of responsibility you feel towards that and making sure that that the future of the sport looks a little bit better than it does now. So that's interesting. I think it's, uh, too far, like in the goalie world, I think goalies have changed so much, even since I started playing, like it used to be, you just throw like the most unathletic hitting goal because you didn't know where to put them. And now we're finally starting to see like some of the most athletic, uh, players land in goal. And, you know, there's so many different philosophies about how to play in goal too. Um, I'm just really excited for that athleticism to shine and to really see some players change the game in terms of, you know, what making a save looks like or what, you know, being a, an active goalie means like, or a stopper. So I, I kind of feel like um, I do a lot of coaching here, but then I do a lot of online stuff. If anyone reaches out to me, I'm, I'm pretty much like an open book, but um, I think really inspiring people to be their own kind of goalie. Like I'd love to see people stretch, um, you know, the limitations of what it means to be a goalie kind of like in an attack world, right? Like it used to be so faux pas to do behind the back. And now it's like, you have a good angle, you better do behind the back because that makes the most sense. And I think, in goalie world, we're still caught up on, you know, a save should look like this. And, you know, I really hammer into my goalies, like, I don't really care what it looks like, as long as you're consistently making a save, you know, that's the most important part. Um, so I think we have a, a long ways to go there, but I've seen so many great goalies come out recently. Uh, and I'm really stoked to see that. And then on the lacrosse level as a whole, you know, I'm really excited to see how much we can make this, this sport explode. You know, I look at women's soccer as kind of a, a roadmap and I'm, I'm really excited for the athletes that we have for the coaches that we have in this game and the knowledge that's being shared that I really think that we can have, uh, you know, some of the best looking and playing lacrosse out there, you know, they're going to look back to when I was in college in like 10 years and be like, wow, that was so slow, you know, like they were, yeah, they, you know, they were good at stick handling or whatever, but like, I can't wait for it to be fast and movement and, just so much more exciting things could come the more and more we push the boundaries. Um, so that's something I really look forward in the sport for sure. I'm pumped you said that. I love the fast pace and the creativity and all the things. And thanks for throwing the behind the backs in there too, because I agree with you. Um, some of the most pretty saves, I think, are the ones that you're diving across the crease for. So um, I can yeah. guarantee you that's not textbook, but it does the job, right? <laughs> uh, so last but not least can we talk about who you are off the field who Liz is off the field what are some of the things that you're passionate about some of the things that you know you speak up about on social media some of the things that you spend your free time doing um I was told to ask you who actually makes the dinner menus in your household <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> Please share a little bit about what Liz Hogan is like off the field. Yeah. So if you ventured over to my Instagram, we do try to post um, our dinners every night if we make them. And um, I will, I will say I am definitely more of the person that does all the chopping and all the preparing while my fiance does most of the cooking. However, I do contribute a lot to the cooking, especially with the ideas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say it's a mutual thing or we're both co uh 
co-cooks here. There's no sous chef involved. I'm definitely a co-cook. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're pa I'm passionate about cooking. Um, I love living out here in California. Ski season is almost upon us. I'm hoping to go next weekend. Um, you know, I'd love going to the beach every once in a while. So just kind of getting outdoors is always fun. Um, I think I've watched just about every Netflix series that's been offered, most recently uh, Queen's Gambit. So I'm all about that. Thank you, pandemic. And then, um, as course, as you know, the Hallmark movies are, I mean, it is crazy. You guys see this? Like, I got my Christmas tree up. Like, we are, it's, it's time, guys. It's time. Okay, so it's time real, real question here. Real question. How many Hallmark holiday movies have you watched so far already? It's November 18th for those of us who are listening. Uh, so this is the challenging part. I can't give you a number. All I can tell you is every time I go on Hallmark, Hulu, or Netflix, I more often than not run into a movie that says, do you want to resume? And it's like the little, <laughs> little last bit. So every time my fiance finally will agree to watch one, it's like the hardest job to find one. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, that was a really good one. Oh, the sequel's even better. And then she's like, really? You bought this already? I'm like, well, you know, that one time you were working and I was home and it was, you know, it just kind of slipped on. <laughs> it just accidentally put itself on. It accidentally pressed play. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so the background story, can we talk a little bit about that? The background story of the Hallmark joke that we keep making. What was this last, last year around this time? Was it? Must've been, yeah. Yeah, I think it was because we were in Florida, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was, uh, I guess, President's Cup and we got roomed together at one of our Team USA training weekends. Um, but there was a lot of downtime. Usually there's not too much downtime. Um, it might have been Fall Classic, actually. I don't remember, but whatever one it was, we had so much downtime in between training sessions and games and things. And we would just look at each other and we'd be like, all right, like, what do you want to watch? You know? And at that point, like, you have to put on something that's going to last a little bit of time. So we always... <laughs> We would just be like, so what do you think about Hallmark? <laughs> we would watch Hallmark or Lifetime. Lifetime's a little more scandalous, though. Think, yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, they would, you, they would get to the situation at the end, and they would always wait till the end. It always happens at the end. You know, my mom told me it always happens at the 58, the 158 minute mark. And I haven't noticed it because usually I'm like so engaged in the story, but I'm going to have to start looking wow. now. Um, yeah, for reference, we're talking about when the two people who have been in love the entire movie finally, finally kiss and they seal the deal in the Hallmark movies. Um, they don't always fall in love. Yes, they do. <laughs> we're ruining all the movies for you. Yes, they do. <laughs> Um, but that's so funny. Now I'm going to have to pay attention to the hour 58 mark and I'm going to have to share that little tip with my mom. Cause I know that she watches all the Hallmark videos too. Right. We should probably watch one tonight. I, think so. <laughs> I know now I kind of want to like put it on. Um, but can you also talk about what's the one that's on Hulu that's coming out that you're super excited? Oh about? yes. What is that one called? It's so good. Um, so this was our biggest thing with it last year. You know, we, we always talk about when the kiss is going to happen and all these people falling, falling in love in these romantic movies, but there's never any, um, there's never any gay couples in any of these movies. So we were like, when are they going to come out with a gay Hallmark movie? And mm -hmm. so Hulu on, I think it's November 25th. So is that the Eve before Thanksgiving? It's Thanksgiving Eve. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Kristen Stewart, which Ooh. Kristen Stewart it's called happiest season. I'm all about it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there at my fiance's uh, parents' house. We're going to be watching it. 
Um, <laughs> all right, so we should do another. We literally did an Instagram live from across the country. We watched watched a Hallmark video movie together on Instagram live. We should probably do that on Thanksgiving Eve. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, okay, so thank you for sharing a little bit about what what you're like off the fields because I think it's important <laughs> to know um, that you're not just who you are in your football pants or in the crease. Um, <laughs> but so we have two questions from KO 17 lacrosse here. Um, and then we have our last little segment that we'll wrap up with that I like to call quick finishes. Um, and then we got to run, but our two questions here, one, I guess going off this theme. So since you were her roommate, what's the weirdest thing that Kylie does? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you do anything weird. I oh, mean, that's so sweet. You All like homework. Uh, you sure? <laughs> she she loves chocolate and like sweets just as much as I do. So it's really refreshing to have her be like, "Do you want to go downstairs and like get candy before we go to bed?" I'm like, "Absolutely, let's do it." <laughs> I was really hoping you'd say yes and not judge me. Like, uh, Kylie, you're gonna eat that before you go to bed. Um, I know. There's those that like watch what they eat, and there's those that like watch while they eat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote for the books right there. I love that um <laughs> okay a little bit more serious I guess after a little candy there um we have one question about you know what is some of the best tips for it's kind of a two-part question just kind of in COVID but best tips for training youth goalies and also how to sanitize the equipment for kids who want to try that position oh that's a good one um so going with the equipment, that's tough because and that's definitely the biggest hindrance to finding a goalie, right? It's like no one wants to go out and purchase all that equipment. So it's nice if a club team or high school team or whatever youth team has equipment. Um, it, with the helmet, you can just use Lysol or something and spray it, I would think. Um, but with the gloves and the chest pressures and all that other stuff, you could definitely Lysol it. But there is actually, for your gloves specifically, there's something on most um, wash machines called the sanitize cycle, which if your gloves or anything ever becomes mildewy because you put it in your bags instead of letting them dry out, which you should always let your equipment dry out, just saying. But if you don't and they get that smelly, you can always put them in the sanitize cycle and it like makes them brand new. And I guess the sanitize cycle is actually for um diapers like moms that have like diapers that they reuse so it's like actually sanitizes things it gets super hot uh, and I found that on my mom's and it's worked like a dream ever since so there's that um and then training youth goalies that's tough um I think the biggest thing with youth goalies is making sure that you modify it so that they can be successful so if you think about like baseball you never have someone like overhand pitching with a small ball with a small bat um, same thing with tennis they have bigger balls and you know bigger rackets so when you're training a, a youth goalie it's really important that they're succeeding so that might mean using a tennis ball because it won't hurt as much it might mean you know slower shots it might mean um, you know smaller area where the ball can go in but really making it so when you are shooting on them they can be successful uh, I think that's the the biggest part I've seen is, you know, all too often we're like really trying to be like, okay, take a step with this foot, take a step with that foot. Um, I don't really think it's that necessary to put like too much structure into it, but more so give them the general idea and let them kind of figure out how to be successful. That's awesome advice. Um, thank you for that. Just in case I have to ever train any goalies. <laughs> how, to, how to train a goalie. That'll be your next business. <laughs> 
All right, so we're gonna finish on a fun note here. This is a segment I like to call quick finishes, really quick rapid fire questions um, and no judgment on any of your answers. Maybe a little bit, but all right, you ready? Okay. Okay, morning or night person? Oh God, neither. (laughs) I go to bed at like, if I can, I will try to go to bed at 8.30. And so I guess that makes me a morning person. Like I'll wake up at 6.30 and I won't be like super happy, but like I'll do it way before I go to bed at like 11 p.m. Definitely like I need to go to bed early. Okay. All right. So tacos or pizza? Pizza for sure. Best place you've ever traveled to? Ooh, toss up. Um, I went to Italy when I was coaching at Colgate, but so that was really fun. But then I went to St. Lucia, I guess it was two summer ago, two summers ago. I mean, COVID flies. Um, and that was really fun too. So one Island, one city. Does that count? <laughs> counts. Counts in my book. Um, okay. Would you rather eat in and cook your meal or go out to eat? Generally speaking, I'd like to eat in for sure. One thing on your bucket list. Uh, get married. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I was supposed to get married last June, then COVID happened, then I was supposed to get married in August, and then that didn't happen. So I was supposed to get married this upcoming June. So that's on my bucket list. (laughs) That's a good one. You know, people would put that on their bucket list way before you're in your shoes, but uh, (laughs) so funny. (laughs) Uh, Fingers crossed that that happens for you guys this June. Um, Yeah, there might be a doctor there. So I'm just saying. there (laughs) all right chocolate candy or sour and sweet candy chocolate candy every day Mm -hmm. okay if you could play any other sport professionally what would it be I always thought it'd be super cool to play ice hockey like I wish that's something I did growing up because it was somewhat popular but um and I love ice skating so I think that would be a sport that I think would be really fun to play. Although I wouldn't be a goalie. I would be like a forward or something. I was going to ask that next. Nice. Mm-hmm. A little dangle in there. You got to show that off. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite quote? Uh, um, I have like a list of quotes that I have that are my life quotes. I would have to say one of them is um, failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. So that, that's probably my go-to. Love that. That's awesome. All right. Last but not least, Hallmark or Disney Channel? <laughs> not even close. Hallmark all day. <laughs> not even close. All right. Good deal. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I don't think I get the Disney Channel. I do love Tigger though. Tigger and Winnie the Pooh. That's like, that's a classic. I, dress, I usually dress up at Tigger every year for Halloween, but not this last. year. No, I left it downstairs and, and we just didn't really have a Halloween. So it's kind of like, eh you know <laughs> all right maybe next year when you get married you can dress up as tigger <laughs> i'm sure liz would love that um, oh yeah she'll love that <laughs> oh my goodness well um liz thank you so much for being here that wraps up all of my questions for today i'm sure we'll have lots to gossip about the next time we get together as usual um but i really appreciate all of your wisdom and Um, you just being someone that I've been able to look up to in this entire process, be able to lean on for advice, um, be able to, you know, say that I have a new friend from, you know, this process of being playing post-collegiately and, you know, in it together. So um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving 
your insight on your journey and your experiences to these, to our listeners and to these girls. Um, and I hope for awesome things for your future. Oh, thanks so much, Kylie. Thank hey, seriously, you. thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me this platform. And, you know, kind of like what Kylie said, like, we just really want to help the next generation. So if you guys ever reach out, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, email, if you can find it, <laughs> do it. <laughs> well, happy to help the next people. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. I will see you in a couple minutes on our next Zoom call. <laughs> and um, thank you, everybody. <laughs> thank you, everybody. All right. See ya. Thanks, Kylie. Bye, everybody. <laughs>